Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Profiler Faithful. It's Matty Kiwum. Welcome to the latest episode of The Game Plan. Everyone, please just take a quick minute to like this video, subscribe to the Player Profiler YouTube channel, and get ready to leave some comments. Ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, today we are talking about redraft leagues. My guest and I are going to reveal some of his secrets that'll help you dominate your drafts and win your seasonal leagues. The shades are on for a reason. We'll hear a little bit more about that in a second. So get out your pens and your pads and let's start game planning to win our fantasy football leagues. Planners, today I am joined by an incredibly incredibly special guest this is his first appearance on the game plan he is the co-host of the dynasty roundtable it is a fantastic show that you can find right here on the player profiler network of shows and i know what you're thinking why are you having a guy who hosts the dynasty roundtable come talk about redraft leagues well because he's a straight-up beast in the space who has a bevy of knowledge and is going to drop it for all the planners who tuned in today. So if you need your lemons turned into lemonade, he is your guy. Gang, give it up for my man, Matt Babich. What up, Matt? I can never outdo that intro. If you need your lemons turned into lemonade, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> that was one of the... That was it's one your of the it's best. your thing it's your line man it's your man, thing that you was incredible oh, I got to adjust the shades here we got so listen everyone we got the contrarian <laughs> shades on today shades because on, you know we're in redraft this is when you get to be that that one guy you know and we're gonna kick it off with uh, with a lot of strategy talk today I'm mm-hmm. excited to to have my maiden voyage on the game plan. Ever sure. since this 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 dropped, I was like, "Oh man, this is this has got to be one I got to work my way up to because the amount of guests and the the amount of daily strategies from dynasty to to redraft to FFPC to rookies, you you got it all covered here on the game plan. So I'm excited and honored to join you today. No, oh, dude, I'm so happy to have you on. You know, I've been on the Dynasty Roundtable. I was on the Dynasty Roundtable when it was called the Writers Roundtable. You and Seth Forget. do a great job in that show. I love uh, talking fantasy football with you. So getting you on the game plan was only a matter of time. Now, keeping you away from game plan, now that's going to be the challenge because I think I'm going to be asking <laughs> you to come back over and over again. Uh, we're talking redraft strategies. You got some secrets we want to tell. We want to help you uh, win your home league, win your office league, win your competitive F- FPC league. We have the secrets for you. But before we dive into that, Matt, I have my <laughs> secret questions for you. What's your secret question? 
how long have you been playing fantasy football? And follow-up question, tell the people listening, what is your fantasy management style? Okay. So I've been playing fantasy football since 2012. So 2012 was my first year. I was 12 years old. And keep that keep that in mind. Prodigy. Uh, yeah. Had them on, baby. Uh, hopped on ESPN leagues. I got 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 myself a little Javid Best action. So that's uh, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Javid Best was on my first fantasy football team. Uh, and then I've been in my my main home league since since 2014. And awesome. so that's that's my main kind of experience. That's when I really started playing it seriously. Um, and then playing Dynasty since. I think 20, 2018 now, 2017, 2018. So mm-hmm. uh, not quite a season there in redraft, which is why we're kind of talking about redraft today. Plus, it's nice to kind of get out of the out of the dynasty space a little bit. You know what I mean? Talking yeah, we do every a lot week, of dynasty you know? talk here. We yeah. do a lot. Of, hey, it's important. It's a you know, it's it a, is it's growing. It's a growing. Um, it's a growing format, uh, which is why you know my management style. I've had to kind of adapt it, uh, dynasty, because I am fairly risk averse. I have the okay. I have the, ah, you know, why not mindset. And so I'm, <laughs> Yolo. And, and you know, you're in the, the dynasty round table listener league mm-hmm. draft with us. You know that, you know, while I, I think that I went with a pretty solid neutral build that has, uh, has given me a three-year window that I can also pivot to on a slight rebuild if I need it. But you, you could see from my draft, there's a lot of risk in there. Kyler mm-hmm. Murray is the QB two, you know, all the way down to Jacoby Brissett as the QB three. So not a lot of depth at QB in a super flex league. That's pretty risky. Brees Hall is my RB one. We'll talk about him today. You know, that's that's risky. So, you know, I'm not a high stake. I've never really been a high stakes guy. It's something I wanted to drift into, uh, especially when you hear Theo guys like Theo Greminger and Billy Muzio talk high stakes. You really want to mm-hmm. get into that, but. For the most part, I'm in some pretty lower stakes leagues, and that's when you know I like to let the fun of fantasy football kind of take over uh, and take some shots. But when it comes to redraft, I, I the past couple of seasons I've really kind of changed that tune a little bit and became a little less risk averse and more of just a value hound. And we could talk okay. we'll talk about a little bit of later how how yeah sniffing out some value and the dogs out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and that strategy has won me some championships recently. So. I like it. You know, sniffing out value is something I've learned over the years. And playing fantasy as long as you have, that's that's experience that just is it's invaluable because it's just learning and recognizing patterns over the years, learning from your mistakes. You know, when Matt Kelly was on, uh, when I was talking to him on Mind the Mansion, we were getting into why we're fading QJ. And a lot of that was because we said, you know, we've learned over the years. We've fallen for this type of prospect before. So you I know, drafted Denzel Mims. I know. I know how this. <laughs> we meant this. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> you think I wasn't excited when my Patriots took Nikhil Harry in the first? You don't think I was all over that? Like, come on, man. I've played this game for a long time now as you have as well and you talk about the one thing that is the probably the through line of the entire show when i ask the guests these questions flexibility learning the second Debro said this last week the second you stop learning is the second you will stop winning in fantasy so you have to stay fluid got to be like water as bruce lee said but now let's dive into some redraft strategy questions First question I want to ask you here, Matt. They, you know, start getting it started here. Let's start the early parts of our redraft drafts. Do you have a preferred strategy in the early rounds? Walk us through how Matt Babbage plays out round one through four. Yeah. So the cool thing about redraft is you really get to relax when it when it's compared to best ball and dynasty. You know, when you're in best ball, you're you're trying to think of you know, a unique lineup in terms of an entire field of thousands, hundreds and thousands of lineups. Yeah. 
and in dynasty when you're trying to, to game plan for multiple years out redraft you got nine 11 13 other people in the draft room your goal is simply to beat them and so in the early rounds generally it all depends on where I'm at in the draft and where ADP kind of falls this year. But, but most times I'm looking to go hero RB style in general. Okay. Well, not overpaying, but, but getting that one anchor, because when you're in that field, you got 12 teams and you notice when you start, unless your wide receiver core is just, I mean, rock solid, mm-hmm. that, you know, having that RB that's putting you 17, 20 points a week, especially if you have someone with RB one upside, that's critical in terms of, you know, beating that draft room because not everyone's going to have that. In fact, very few teams, maybe four or five teams are going to have that guy who's, who's putting up that, that kind of numbers. And so in the first round, I'm generally going wide receiver just because that's, that's the way the values normally shake out. You know, we, we went through Jonathan Taylor at the one Oh one and, and you know, that, that was a guy who he was worth a first round pick. And now you're looking at the first round running backs this year, Eckler, Bijan Robinson. None of them are, are appetizing. They don't really have that, the, the upside of wide receivers. And so generally right. my, my go-to strategy is, Hey, I'm going to get that, that bona fide stud wide receiver. I'm going to get that hero RB and I'm probably going to leave the first three rounds in a non-super flex league with two wide receivers and a running back. So you okay? That makes sense. And so we we here at the game plan we like call getting your dragons, which is usually double tapping wide receivers. So to have, uh, you know, have you on to talk a little bit, uh, hero RB, anchor RB, whatever you want to call it, is great process here because now we're going to cover a bunch of different strategies. So you're talking about probably because of values, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs at the end of round one, and then following it up with a running back here. So let's just say Christian McCaffrey and Eckler are off the board. They have the highest ADPs, two and three uh, in most formats. Are you looking to go Saquon Barkley, Bijan Robinson, or are you putting your eggs in something like JT or Nick Chubb? So Saquon's the only name that you mentioned. Maybe JT. Maybe JT. I think that whole situation is probably overblown, and, and we're getting a little bit of value on a guy who's going to play as many games as he is healthy and he's going to be electric in that offense as he is as a rusher. So JT is a maybe I want to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Saquon is a guy who I will target because he has it written in his contract. The only way he can make more money than the the franchise tag is if he gets a certain amount of receptions. I believe it's, I can't remember. I think it's 65 if I remember off the top of my head. Right. It's like setting career highs in receiving stats. Uh, but still that's incentive, but he could do it. And he could do it. He had 91 catches as a rookie. He can, he can realistically have 75 receptions. And Mm -hmm. and with that type of upside in an offense, that's going to have a lot of sustained drives in a sneaky shootout division in the NFC East. That's the type of guy I will target in the second round. But I like a lot of grabbing double tapping wide receiver and coming back in the third round and grabbing a guy in Brees Hall who I think has the exact same mm. upside as Saquon Barkley at a round discount because he might not play the first few weeks. But are you are you nervous though? Let's just say you 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 go receiver receiver hall, you're getting your 1 2 3, you're excited. Dalvin Cook signs there. What's his value look like? What does his output look like? Are you now wishing you went a different direction around 3? No. Uh so he had 16.4 points per game as a rookie. And that came on a 54% opportunity share and a 48% snap share. So this was a guy who he started to get the bulk of the carries 
uh, closer to weeks four through four through six when he was at 64, 67, 68% snap share. But I think even with Dalvin Cook signing there, a 62%, 60 to 62% snap share is not out of the range of outcomes. I view, I view that more as they want a guy who can be a starter for the first few weeks and let Brees Hall ease into it. So I'm more confident if Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets that the Jets are not going to force Brees Hall to start playing earlier than he needs to. We see with the Denver Broncos, they're trying to get Javante Williams back in the lineup as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And Dalvin Cook would be more, to me, a, a supplement signing that you know takes some of these drab, non-fantasy-relevant carries away mm-hmm. from, from Brees Hall. And so when we looked at the backfield last season, you know, the Carter was still there and there were people that were involved outside of Brees Hall. So there's room for that like double headed dragon. And I think Cook would be overvalued right now if he signs with the Jets because he's not going to get the target share and he's not going to be that bona fide goal line back. Brees Hall is their dude and they Mm -hmm. know this and they're going to try and protect him. So it is a risky play. And when I when push comes to shove and I and I go into my leagues it's going to be a tough call. Uh, it just depends on the receiver that's available at my pick. And, you know, the, like Debro said, you know, like you got to just be water. And so yeah. if there, if Saquon is at the top of that RB tier and then the receivers that I'm looking at are, are, are not my favorite, then, then I'll, I'll pivot and go Saquon. But there's a lot of, yeah, exactly. Don't be afraid. No one's afraid of Dalvin Cook. If, if he signed months ago, sure. If he hit the market and the Jets said, we need this guy, but there's been a whole lot of meeting and a not a whole lot of contract signing for yeah. Dalvin Cook. Yes. So if he's so desirable, if he's this guy who's going to get a lot of touches, the way I view it is if Leonard Fournette signed with the Jets, would we be, would we be scared? Uh, no. So, you know, I, I think Cook has more tread on the tires and is and is a is a more dynamic back at this point of his career, but I think the point is – you know, Hall still has that 17 point upside. He where's where's Nick Chubb? I'm gonna advance the so he almost outscored Nick Chubb in fantasy points per game last season, Brees Hall. And Nick Chubb had a career season in terms of total productivity. Yeah. So you know, Brees Hall's got that, that that incredible ceiling. Finished top six at the running back position back to back weeks in week five and week six. Uh what I also will add to this, and this is why I think uh, going Brees Hall in round three does make sense because you do insulate a little bit of risk. You kind of negate some of your risk by getting to what we're hoping as stud receivers. So if, let's say, he doesn't pan out, the amount you have to now make up in your weekly lineup isn't as much as it would be if you're taking a risk on this guy in round two or even round one, which we have done in the past, taking a running back with a little bit of risk in round one. I would also like to echo this. Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers where they let A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones both be fantasy relevant. It did not always come at the same week, but you've mentioned that in your breakdown of Brees Hall that because you go anchor RB with a guy like Brees Hall, you're going you're gonna to have to then kind of tap the running back button a whole bunch mid to late. You're hoping to get weeks one, weeks one through five starters, and Brees Hall comes back just ready to rock and roll and could be that A.J. Dillon type. And I know what you're saying here. You might say, Keelan, well, why the hell would I want an A.J. Dillon type? Well, if you look at A.J. Dillon from week 12 on last year, 18 points, 20 points, 22 points, 13 points, 10 points. I mean, he was he he finishes strong because he's fresh. They use a lot of Aaron Jones. So even if that is the dynamic for the Jets, I'm not mad about it. I do want to say, though, you know, in the range, he's going right around running back 11. 
there are other guys that I am interested in that I might be a little bit more not excited to take. Cause I think Brees Hall is the exciting pick because he has the, the highest upside, but there is maybe some, if I'm trying to go a little bit, uh, a little bit, you know, we're trying to manage my risk a little bit more. I'll go that way. But I do like the Brees Hall call because if you, if he hits and he looks like the running back that we all wanted to see pre-injury, pair that up with, let's call it Tyreek Hill. Let's call it Stephon Diggs. Let's call it Devontae Adams, CD Lamb, whoever the two dragons you get at the top. Ooh. And then add a 20 point potential points per game guy mid to late. I love it. I love it. We're going to talk again. We started with the top part of the draft. Obviously, you start early. Then we're going to get to the late rounds. But before we do, I want to hear from Matt Kelly as he talks about rival fantasy. Oh, baseball season's heating up. It's all about baseball right now. You know, eh, baseball, baseball. Yeah, baseball is the most exploitable of the sports, especially on Rival Fantasy, rivalfantasy.com. Go there now. They have the fantasy book where you can take over under a certain number of fantasy points, and they have challenges where you can take player X or player Y. I get great pleasure out of fading Mike Trout into oblivion. And then don't forget about fantasy bingo where you can say, okay, I think Acuna's going to steal a base today. I think that Freddie Freeman's going to have two hits based on the matchup. The lefty-righty and the pitcher-quality matchups that you could exploit are unlike any other sport. Go to rivalfantasy.com. Use the promo code PLAYER. They refund any losses up to 50 bucks, and they are a great supporter of Player Profiler. Everything we do, this show in particular, is only possible because of Rival. RivalFantasy.com. The promo code is PLAYER. We are back here on the game plan. I'm joined by Dynasty Roundtable co-host and member of the underworld, Matt. Babbage, and we're talking redraft strategies. We just broke down what his ideal start is, rounds one through three. Get that running back, get a couple receivers. But now let's talk about the late rounds, Mr. Babbage. What are you doing here? And help our listeners navigate the late rounds in seasonal drafts. So I'm going to be putting out an article soon, actually, on on playerprofiler.com called Dumpster Diving. And uh, love it. It's Love pretty it. much dedicated to, you know, half of my late round strategy. So I like to have a good mix of dumpster diving where I, I get some veterans who have a role in the offense, but maybe have some target competition behind them that is developing. Whatever the case may be, they're undervalued mm -hmm. and they have that at least early season value. And then I like to pair that up with some shots on some younger guys who could take maybe four to six weeks before they fully break out and have a role in the offense. And I try and give myself a situation where I have some upside where I could use it for, for trades or simply trying to maintain my depth from point a, you know, or from the beginning to the end of the season in redraft. So an example of that would be like drafting Russell Gage in the late rounds last year, being the mm -hmm. third option on a Buccaneers offense or Jacoby Myers, who was forgotten about and then kind of pairing that up with uh you know a guy like Garrett Wilson who was who was going you know not later than than those guys necessarily he would have been an earlier late round pick but but he was getting you yeah, know later rookies in, tend in to drafts. get a little bit more value in redraft obviously yeah exactly and then so like some some examples of who I'm identifying this season a Russell Gage uh uh, one of my friends, QBL, QBL Ryan Mutual on, on Twitter. Uh, he's had a lot of really great research for fantasy points data. So go check him out. He put out a tweet that said, Russell Gage had a higher first read target share in the red zone than Mike Evans last season. In fact, he led the team 
in first read target share in the red zone with 20.7% of the targets. So this is a guy who has a role early on. They have Trey Palmer in Tampa Bay who's cooking, ready to go. So that's a situation where I could see Russell Russell Gage maybe fading as Trey Palmer learns the NFL and, and gets – Start get, starts getting more snaps by week seven or week eight. So Russell Gage is a guy who has a role to start the season and can be, you know, that fringe wide receiver four, wide receiver three, that could be a crucial depth piece. And then pairing that with a guy like maybe Marvin Mims, who's going very late in drafts and with, with the injury of Tim Patrick could be the, the third target right away in this mm-hmm. offense. And if, if they don't, if Denver doesn't like Cortland Sutton and, or Jerry Judy to the degree of which they may have been portrayed, then he could be the number two target in this offense year one. And he's coming at an incredible discount. So keeping yourself balanced with some maybe uglier veterans like Odell Beckham is one who I, who I'm going to be targeting um, as much as I wanted to fade him. He looks like he's going to have a role in this offense. And if mm-hmm. bait, the longer Bateman doesn't practice, the more we question how involved he's going to be in week one. And if they're going to be taking the top off the defense, Odell, but Odell Beckham could be getting a 15 to 18% target share early on, which could be very valuable. And you can trade these guys. You can keep them as depth pieces. You know, keeping yourself balanced is, is, is very important in the late rounds. Mm -hmm. Marvin Mims. He, I think he's someone that we'll see his ADP kind of climb right now. It's around about 176. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, you're getting them now uh, later th- than probably you'll get them in uh, when draft season's at a peak. So that's a great value. I love the idea though, Matt, of weaving some, de- you know, possible early floor guys and then mix them in with the high ceiling. Uh, you know, when we're staying in that range around the 170s, I'm seeing guys come off the board like uh, a Nico Collins, a Michael Gallup, Zay Jones. Those guys will have roles early on, but then you could parlay that with a Rashi Rice. Uh, a potentially someone like that DJ Shark. There's a great way to weave that in when you get towards pick 200 or so. That I think is a great a great way to do it. That's something that I don't know if I've really conceptualized, but maybe probably have executed more than I realize because it is a smart strategy. I like that idea. Now, can you do that? Do you do that with running backs, or are you at this range? Are you just give me them handcuffs? I don't care if they're old, young. Just give me handcuffs. Bop, 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 bop. No, absolutely. I'll do that with running backs. So last season in my in my main home league. You know, I like I said I wanted to do the hero RB strategy, but mm-hmm. I let the draft room come to me and and took CD Devontae Adams, Higgins, and and Marquise Brown in a in a three receiver two flex league. Okay, just get the dogs and get then, them dra- get them dragons, baby. And this is what I mean by just kind of hitting your picks because I got I got Pollard in the ninth and Jacobs in the seventh. So hitting on those two RBs. Oh, but then, man, those are two smashes. But then the dumpster diver strategy of Singletary, who people just didn't like, and he was like mm-hmm. a 12th, 13th round pick, and then following that up with Rashad White. And so it, exact same strategy of getting a, a veteran running back with a presence that, that people simply just don't enjoy, probably going to have 8 to 11 points per game on, on certain weeks, depending on the usage. Mm-hmm. And then following that up with, uh, with a young running back who can who could really break out. So so this season, love Tyler Algier and and maybe like a, a Kendra Miller, uh, someone love who that. Can, love someone that. who could really kind of take shape towards the end of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a combination I like. He's not a rookie, but Chuba Hubbard is a guy who I like to take a shot on. Mm-hmm. Very explosive in a running back or in an offense that's going to have a lot of rushing opportunity available. So yeah, exact same strategy for running backs. 
So we're talking a little running backs. We're talking a little receiver. But now I think everyone's asking themselves, okay, what about the tight end, Mr. Babbage? So what's your optimal tight end strategy for your seasonal leagues? I'm generally along the lines of go, like, waiting to the mid to late rounds to get a tight end that's closer, getting drafted closer to the to the low end tight end one, closer to tight end 12, that I okay. think could finish closer to tight end five through seven. Because if you can close that gap from tight ends one to three to everyone else, because everyone knows if you're not getting the elite tight ends, yeah, it just doesn't matter. So if you can close that gap, the the economic value of getting a guy like Pat Fryermuth, who could be an absolute target hog in, in the Pittsburgh offense and a red zone target hog could have mm-hmm. a huge outlier season and touchdowns on an offense that needs to overcorrect from their their red zone struggles the year before. And if he finishes closer to Kittle and Waller than he does to where he's being drafted, getting a receiver or a running back of higher value where Kittle and Waller are being drafted, that gap is going to be way different towards the end mm-hmm. of the season. So I, I'm looking to target guys like like Fryermuth and Dulcich or two I'm really targeting. Cole Komet even later, who could mm-hmm. have the same role as all as both of those other two players in a lower volume passing offense. But if you got if you're gonna like pair a Waller and a Daniel Jones or in redraft, I can get on board with Kittle and Brock Purdy. If they're gonna have that that quarterback tight end stack, I think that's something you can you can chase. We did we didn't really talk a whole lot about the tight end at the top of the draft because it's really only one, right? Maybe two, depending on where Andrews goes. But Kelsey and Andrews, do you I'll take find yourselves you will. Okay. I'll so, take Kelsey right. round one for sure. Let's talk about it then. Yeah. So you'll take him at what point in round one? Uh, I know we're kind of putting you on the spot here, but let's yeah. just say it goes fairly chalk early on. Are you taking him ahead of CeeDee Lamb? Are you taking him ahead of uh, Eckler? That's kind of the line that would be in probably most decision-making. So if the draft goes as follows, yeah, I, I'll take him over Eckler. Okay. And I'll take him over CeeDee Lamb. I will go. So, like, if I'm looking at, I'm looking at FFPC redraft ADP right now. So mm-hmm. it goes Jefferson, Chase, McCaffrey, Kelsey right now, and I think that's right about where I am. Tyreek okay. Hill comes right after, and that's the that's the question that'll make me sit there and think about it for a long time is Kelsey versus Hill. Okay. But I was just talking about this with one of my one of my close friends earlier. Like, what is we were talking about going going naked Kelsey in underdog. We love naked Kelsey. Na- we love naked Kelsey. We, we naked I, I Kelsey. said what I said. Way we to get us demonetized. Me and we, we ran this bit on mock draft <laughs> Me and Seth with naked Kenny. We got demonetized, but we go right back to the well. Naked Kelsey. We love naked Kelsey, and naked Kelsey's gonna win some championships. But but the his floor is like tight end two. And it, what yeah. Andrews and him. It's those two duking it out. And unless health really gets Kelsey this season, and you, it's just so tough to to predict that and, and to bake that into yeah, your draft I don't like We have the injury personally. finder, which is which is good for understanding the probability. Right. But at the same time... Yeah. It's football. You know, Freak shit happens and, all the time. People get hurt. Yeah, exactly. And Kelsey's... First of all, Kelsey ranks fine in terms of injury probability and fragility right. because he's been healthy nearly his entire career. Showed no signs of slowing down. So it, it right. goes... I would take Jefferson, Chase, McCaffrey, surefire. And then... No doubt. And then most likely Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. And then if Cooper Cup didn't get that hamstring injury, I would consider Cup as well. 
isn't it crazy that something can just happen, even if it proves to be minor? But it's like that. They, I think it's in the the show Friends where they talk about. Oh no, it's How I Met Your Mother. When there's a, a glass shattering moment where yep. all of a sudden everything changes, and it's like, oh no, you guys are crazy. Don't fade, cup. Don't fade. Injury. Oh shit, is he injury prone? It just immediately just breaks that glass, puts you right in that mindset. That's oh. I'm buying Me? the I'm buying the in, the injury dip on Cooper Cup. Absolutely, yeah, it's a it's too, a hamstring, too. which isn't great. You know, there is, when you look at the at the statistics, which I I saw on Twitter of of veterans who end up getting re injured with these types of injuries. This is where Cooper Cup has been a guy who who takes really good care of his body. He's just been forced into a role where he takes a beating, and so. Oh, yeah. I, I believe that Cooper Cup is going to recover from this fully by the time the season starts, and it's pro- it, it might be an issue that makes him miss a game or so, uh, maybe later down the road. And the only the only it hinders my choice between Kelsey Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup. But after that, past that right. point, uh, I'm I'd still take him over Diggs. And so you're taking Kelsey's safely over Ceedee Lamb as well. Yeah. Okay. But Ceedee Lamb is one of my favorite receivers at value this year. Uh, I I. I we could go. We could do a whole episode on CD Lamb because it seems you could like potentially the love, get both with the way he's being. You could right now. That's great point, and that's and that's what we're talking about. Kind of double tapping the the wide receiver or tight end. Uh, and I also think too. I know a lot of our listeners are in sharp leagues with whether it be a home league because home leagues can absolutely have a bunch of sharps in them or an industry league, whatever. Uh, but I also want to talk about the casual office family leagues. Kelsey is a great difference maker. You're gonna if you listen to the game plan, you listen to Dynasty Roundtable, you listen to Decision Point, you listen to all the shows here at the Player Profile Network of shows. You're sharp. You're learning. You're going to have more information than those casual players. But if you get Kelsey early, even if it's the one-on-one, you can make up that difference at receiver, running back, through waivers, through trades. And that Kelsey puts you puts you at the top, puts you at peak value. We're now one of those positions. Set it, forget it, and dominate. So I do think Kelsey has a lot of extra value in those super casual home office family type leagues. So and that's I'm glad you, to go. you hit the nail on the head because – that's like 75 statistically that is a vast majority of the leagues that are played on yeah. these sites. And oh, so yeah. that's how you know we can boil we can kind of compress the complexity of strategies when it comes to redraft leagues and we can say just let the other people make mistakes and continue mm-hmm. to just pounce on that value. Right. Yeah, and that's absolutely the case. CD Lamb, Travis Kelsey, if I could start that in my family league. Whew. I'm coming for that championship, Auntie. I'm coming for it. Can you smell what Maddie Kiwoom is cooking? Ugh, I love it. Let's move on to the next question, though, Mr. Matt Babbage. Rookies, we kind of touched upon it. Do you yep. feel overall that they're a value in redraft or a trap in redraft leagues? I think overall they're a value, especially when it comes to the high draft capital rookies. There is a, a significant correlation between draft capital and rookie year touches, especially when it comes to running backs. So – and don't misconstrue this. This is not a draft B. John Robinson at ADP tweet. He is actually the exception. And that's why I wrote in my show notes and can vary from player to player because Bijan's the type of guy. I mean, like Bijan and Josh Jacobs are not the same prospect, but Josh Jacobs is a guy who got drafted in the first round and was going in around third, third round in, in ADP and redraft leagues his rookie year. That was, yeah. that felt like a fair, it felt like kind of his floor given if, right. if he, we got like the Brees expected. Hall. Yeah, exactly. Brees Hall round three and, here. And it's not about the prospect. It's just about the level of opportunity that they're going to have in the offense. And, 
you know, Jacobs in his first year pretty much met that ADP level. And, and that's what I think is the key with these rookies is that a, someone's going to win your league with a rookie that breaks out. It's, it's going to happen. And they have a fairly safe floor. When we look at ADPs, what do we think the odds are that Jackson Smith is in Jigba, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, even extending all the way down to, to Marvin Mims, or we even get to like Devonna Shane, A-Chain. Yeah, you know what you just did there? You just remember I was on your show and I said, I yuck. And you were like, did I, you I just yuck? say Brian I yuck? <laughs> that You just pulled that right there. Well, I Shane. can't help that you 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 did a goofy impression from Walt Disney. <laughs> uh, yuck, uh, yuck. I did. Uh, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> and with the way my voice sounds, it absolutely came off like goofy. I and I tried to, I tried to escort Devon into uh, the fanciest mansion of all the land, Mister <laughs> Mister Ashane. Mister Ashane, come with me. But either, keep going. I'm sorry. I'll keep going. No. Uh, what? what do these we're having rookie, fun, boys. Yeah, we're, we're having fun. It's Saturday. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> what are the odds that these rookies are just absolute? killers for you at ADP. I mean, they, they just finished so far below ADP that they completely torture draft. It mm-hmm. doesn't seem like anyone would really argue that that's in the range of outcomes. I think Zay flowers with, with the target, with how crowded the target room is could bust, but these rookies are all fairly safe. They were drafted for a reason. And besides Quentin Johnston, they're all going to have a good share of their, their team's offense in year one. So, and again, it varies from rookie to rookie. So won't draft B. John Robinson, knock mm-hmm. in on Quentin Johnston at value, but Jameer Gibbs, I'll, I'll teeter with. I think his, I think that's a guy who probably isn't going to kill you at his floor, but has the same upside as some of the other backs. So, right. so Jameer Gibbs is the first rookie I consider drafting. He's going around where Jacobs was going. So I feel like that's fair, pretty fair. And then JSN smashing at ADP. Uh, Zay Flowers, he's just a dog. I'll I'll take all the shares of him I can get. Jordan Addison, Marvin Mims. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'll I'll take a rookie every single season at least one. And I want to make this point here because we're talking to about redrafts. We're gonna we're the, the this conversation is gonna resonate a lot with the casual gamers. If your league is on ESPN, you are going to dominate with rookie running backs. Let's look at this information here on ESPN. Roshan oh, no. Johnson comes off the board at two fifty eight. Oh, Roshan's a great one. Yeah. You know where he comes off the board on Sleeper? Uh, 199. 169. 169. And I should probably let you guess. I asked you the question. I didn't mean it to be rhetorical. I wanted your answer. We'll we'll do this again. So we we got Roshan here. Absolute tremendous value. Tank Bigsby. He's coming off at 144 on Sleeper. Where do you think he comes off on ESPN? Ooh. Because of ETN and and where and where Roshan is, I'm going to say lower than Roshan at two. I'm going to put 264 on ESPN. 218, but it's still Ooh, okay. a almost 70 pick difference between these two platforms. And I'll do one more just to really drive this pri- this this point home. Uh, it's the guy that you just mentioned, Mister Devon Ashane. He comes off the board at 197, so almost around pick 200 on ESPN. Where do you think he comes off the board on ESPN? Or, I mean, on Sleeper. 114. Boom. 114. You nailed it. Hey! You nailed it. Like, nails. Someone get me on the prices right. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. But that's an 83-pick difference so we're talking about winning in these casual leagues we're talking about getting rookie running backs late you can absolutely chisel out the most perfect high-end anchor rb where you get kelsey receiver 
Hall, sprinkle in those picks there in the middle, and then just go rookie running back until the cows come home at the end in your casual leagues, and you will put together a very, very strong lineup. And you're going to be able to flag guys, too, that didn't get drafted to just wait in waivers, too, because a lot of these casual mm-hmm. leagues have some shallower benches. So right, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have some playable people on the waiver wire, which is when if you're in a one QB league in a lot of these casual leagues, just mm-hmm. wait, just wait. Oh yeah, you can get probably Daniel Jones at two rounds cheaper than than he mm-hmm. typically is, and so in, in these casual leagues with one quarterback, you're gonna have it. Like Geno Smith was a guy who was on the waiver wire for multiple multiple weeks. Yeah, when I'm yeah. in my work league, I finally picked him up because I just I was like, screw it, I'll have three quarterbacks. I. It's, it he's simply he's, he's he performing too well happen. for me to leave him on the waiver yeah. wire. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But yeah, absolutely check out those rookie running back values, especially if you play ESPN in your work league, obviously casual league with all that stuff. So we talked a lot of big picture things. We talked about your early round strategies, your late round. How do you navigate those? How do you approach tight end? But I want to hear right here, right now, what is Matt Babbage's golden rule for redraft seasonal leagues? Yeah, I, I kind of I've I've teased it at multiple points at, on this podcast. You probably already figured out figured it out by now, but it's there's a meme, right? It's like this this it's a graph, like a statistical graph, and it goes from draft good players to like week seventeen correlation with <laughs> with uh, quadruple divisional stacks, and then it goes back yep. to the other end of draft good players, and that's where I think we all come back to and redraft is just draft good players mm-hmm. just capitalize on that value you can r-e-l-a-x in redraft leagues just don't sweat it if you wanted to draft a rest a saquon in round two or something and, and cd lamb made it back to you just take cd and wait for a joe mixon to come back in the third or wait for Brees hall who hasn't maybe mm-hmm. even practiced yet to come back in the fourth looking at you know ffpc adp you might even be able to get Brees in the fourth so just relax let the draft board come to you and focus on on value and and once you get past your starters, just put into a portfolio of depth together that has that upside and stability. Love that R E L A X reference for Seth Thywald's favorite player on planet <laughs> Earth, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we have to make it a point on all of our dynasty roundtable episodes <laughs> to say no one cares about Aaron Rodgers, which it seems like if you it, thinking of Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he would like catch wind of that one day, you'd be like, there are podcasts out there <laughs> that just say that like no one even cares about. Yeah he, yeah. he goes on his next Rogan appearance and starts trashing Matt Babbage and Seth that my life will be, I would complete- be honored. Yeah, I would be honored if if it if that's a, a real possibility, we can up the trash talk. I mean, we <laughs> there are levels to this. We can go up. <laughs> Let's go. So the people listening here, they I'm sure they're going to take a ton away from the draft strategy, the overall strategic maneuverability. Is that did I? I think I just out verbal. I think I just out talked myself. I think I said words I don't even know what I meant. I was like, I blacked out there. That was second. good. Anyway, that, that, that I was, mean maneuverability. I, it was just, it, I guess WWE just came across. Uh, came That's like a thousand out. point word in Scrabble. <laughs> I don't even know if that was a word. Anywho, we are talking redraft. And now we're going to talk about redraft takes. I want to hear some of your player takes, some of those uh, uh, specific type of questions that our folks listening can take back to the drafts and use that information to dominate. First question for you, Mr. Babich. Who is currently the best value according to redraft ADP in your opinion? It's so tough to do best value. Ask me any sort of question of best favorite band, favorite movie. I I shudder. It's so tough for me to to answer. I do think Brees Hall. Follow up question: What's your favorite band favorite movie? Oh, favorite band favorite movie. Uh, Led Zeppelin and 
I, I I come back to it all the time. It's mi- miracle. The the 2008 movie. Oh, Russell. Yeah, cool it, it's it's not you know one of the more glamorous movies, but that's one of my my favorites of all time. And yeah, Led Zeppelin. I'm bumping that in the car all the time. So a little uh, side note about me. My yeah. middle name is Robert after Robert Plant. No way. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. So all right, back to back to Brees Hall. Your favorite ADP value. Uh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not go a full in-depth to Brees Hall because I already talked about that. So I'm going to talk about a different running back going later in drafts that I think has top 20 upside that's being drafted at RB30, and that is James Cook. If you follow me on Twitter, if you watch the Dynasty Roundtable, you know I've been getting into it on James Cook lately. So I'll save the full spiel. You can go watch last uh, the, on Wednesday's episode of the Dynasty Roundtable for the full, I believe it was five to eight minute speech. But. <laughs> I think there's a real world football aspect to James Cook that that people are not considering, and the and the Podfather is admittedly one of the best about this. We, you, he said it. You know, you guys talked about it with Quentin Johnston, where Justin Herbert, when he's in the huddle, he's going to be calling for Jalen Guyton so he can have a deep threat presence. And Josh Allen last season, when he had his his elbow injury, he's not going to say, "Look, let's." let's get the guy who's an electric pass catcher out there all the time and risk me getting, getting killed. So De- Devin Singletary was entrenched veteran who is proficient as a pass catcher and a pass blocker. And for that reason alone, I, I don't think the jets ever went into drafting James cook thinking that he was going to be the guy year one. I think it was more of a, let's let this kid learn the offense, show us what he's got. And we're going to gain value out of the last season of a rookie contract on a veteran who's been with Josh Allen his entire career. He knows where to be every single play. They have that on-field chemistry. Singletary is not going to get Allen killed. There was a safety. When Allen got hurt, they needed that safety of Singletary being in. Now, is this a concern for James Cook going into the new year? Sure. He might not increase his proficiency in that area as much as I think. But they let Devin Singletary go. They let him walk. They could have signed him for just as cheap as they did Damian Harris. Mm-hmm. but they decided they wanted a guy who could supplant James Cook in Damian Harris. He was going to be that that bruiser. He's bigger than Singletary. He's a guy who's going to be more of a, a strict in-between-the-tackles guy, while James Cook is, yeah, he's going to have some game-scripted touches, but I could go on with all the metrics. He, he would have been first in breakaway run rate of running backs, of qualified running backs, would have ranked 10th in yards per route run. He had 5.3, number 12, two true yards per carry. But let's just put it in terms of numbers. I, I see a lot of people saying that they just don't think that that he's going to have a large share of the offense. Okay, neither do I. So if we give him a, do you think a 40% rush share? Let's do a little exercise here. I don't do a lot of projecting, but I, I did it for okay. the first time, put on my Billy Muzio hat. And, and so do we think a 40% rush share for James Cook is realistic? Yeah, I would say that's probably realistic. Okay, so a 40% rush share with Buffalo's 25 run plays per game over the past three seasons gets him 170 carries. Let's reel that back to 145. That sounds a little bit more realistic, doesn't it? That sounds very – that might even be conservative, honestly. Exactly. So let's even do the conservative case here with 145. And then we give him a 10% target share, and that gets him 70 targets. Okay. So now we're looking at about 215 – you know, maybe with the targets and the rushes, 215 to 225 total opportunities. Mm-hmm. When we look at, he had 18% of his targets in the red zone, and the Bills are have been top five in red zone pass attempts for the past three seasons. They love to throw the ball there. 
with the types of touches that James Cook is looking to get, 225 touches could very realistically be top 24 to top 20 in terms of weighted opportunities per game. That's a player profiler metric that is one of the most predictive metrics for fantasy football success at the running back position. And if he's top 24, it, it, it's actually so tight that like his, his odds of finishing top 24, if he has top 24 and weighted opportunities per game, it, it would simply have to be due to a, a wildly low touchdown rate. Mm-hmm. And so with his positional upside there, I think a, the conservative case can put him inside the top 30 pretty easily, more easily than people would think. This is a high octane offense that's going to have a lot of sustained drives and a lot of plays being run. So there's a lot of opportunity for him to be on the field. And the biggest concern is that if he can't get the pass blocking down and and they can't keep him on the field for longer. But I I think that's something that he's not super small. The people are going to say he's under 200, but he's not a terribly small guy. So I I love James Cook at value. I I admit this from time to time that the game plan is honestly just my selfish attempt to secretly just get really, really good at fantasy football because I have people like you and others on and they give me their secrets and they give me their strategies. So it's really just my selfish attempt to become the greatest fantasy football player that I can. And listening to you there, I can admit wholeheartedly, Matt, that you have just completely brought me onto the the James Cook side. I was a a fade Cook guy. Even though his efficiency metrics were there, I just thought that the the opportunities would not be. You just got into the weeds and broke it down like a damn pro. And now I'm on team James Cook, baby. I will be attacking James Cook around running back 30, especially in the redrafts that I have coming up. Uh, So thank you for uh, showing me the light. Showing me the light. The shades are on because the light is so bright in here, baby. And at RB30, if he finishes at RB45 and completely tanks, you're going to have a pick on your redraft team that tanks every single year. And so that's not going to completely kill you at his value. And just a little something about Harris to close this out. Never over a 50% snap share or opportunity share in his career in the NFL. Never with a season of 25 or, or more than 25 targets. 25 targets last year was like his career high. So he doesn't earn targets and he's never yeah. dominated the backfield. So why do we all of a sudden expect this to happen now? When they took uh, James Cook, he was the third running back off the board. It went Brees Hall, Ken, uh, Kenneth Walker, the third, and then it was James Cook. They they took him over all the other backs that they could have Rashad White and others in 2022. So that's a, um, I'm on, I'm, I'm sold. Bam. I'm sold. Matt, you sold me on James Cook. I'm now on the team. I'm pro James Cook for 2023. Uh, that's he's listed on playerprofile.com as one of your guys. Give me a couple other guys that you're targeting. So Christian Watson is another one at his value uh, for for the level of opportunity I think he has in this offense. I think we're almost we're almost double counting the absence of Aaron Rodgers and the presence of Jordan Love. So first of all, Aaron Rodgers' metrics when targeting Christian Watson were not great. Watson ranked outside of the top 50, and this is just because I can't. The numbers are way below that. I just can't even remember what they are. But it was far outside of the top 50 in terms of target quality rating and catchable pass rate. Mm -hmm. They were some of the worst uh, that wide receivers have have experienced. And the absence of Aaron Rodgers, he was wide receiver nine-ish in fantasy points per game when he became a full-time starter. And then that has dipped all the way closer to, to wide receiver 20 in ADP. And so I think at ADP, we have baked in that Jordan Love is not very good and the Packers offense struggles and the Packers offense 
runs at a slow pace of play because they're trying to lean more on Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon than Jordan Love. And so fading Watson, you're fading him near his not floor, but maybe his median outcome. You're fading Mm -hmm. Watson at his median outcome where his 80th percentile outcome is wide receiver nine, top 10 wide receiver where he finished last season. And at ADP, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the button on Watson over Judy any day. And that range is a really good range to target wide receivers anyway. So there's a lot of receivers that are going in that range that I'm comfortable taking Mm -hmm. uh, off the top looking at it here. So I will take Judy um, McLaurin, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, uh, Debo Samuel, some players above and below Watson and Judy Mm -hmm. there. So it's a really good range for, for receivers. But I think Christian Watson has the highest likelihood of finishing in the top 10 next to DJ Moore. You're not going to have to convince me a whole lot on, on Christian Watson because I'm already there. I love Christian Watson. But to, ju- to just put those stats out there, you, you alluded to them. I'm going to give you give our listeners exactly what they were. Aaron Rodgers' target quality rating when throwing to Christian Watson was 4.56. That was 90th amongst qualified wide receivers. His catchable target rate, 61.5%. That was 94th amongst qualified wide receivers and his target accuracy. So the, the, the rating of which he received accurate targets was 7.4. That was outside of the top 40. So Aaron Rodgers was not dropping dimes to Christian Watson. So you're a hundred percent right. And I love that call. Great call, Maddie, that, that Jordan love is, he could be better than this. He could provide better targets for Christian. Watson. He could at least do the same. He could at least do the same, which is terrible. And I, for one, have put my I, I, I'm believing. I'm choosing to believe in Jordan Love. I think I've seen enough, and I've read enough of the reports throughout the entirety of his draft process and sitting behind Rodgers. So I'm believing that Love will be a pretty decent quarterback. So I'm expecting all of these passing metrics to Christian Watson to improve. So I love that Christian Watson call. Do you got another one for us? This is actually funny because I, for some reason, I, we all have some, everyone has some weird dreams every now and then last night I had a, <laughs> last night I had a dream that Michael Pittman got cut and what I didn't really, it was one of those dreams that I didn't remember. And I was putting my show notes together and I was like, Oh, I just had a, I had a dream. That, that was my dream. It was, I, I was reading, <laughs> and I was, I was watching ESPN and Michael Pittman just like got cut out of he nowhere. Got cut. Uh, so that reminded me how much I love Michael Pittman at value. Yeah. He's at, and this is pretty much a similar reason because we're double counting the bad quarterback play. Mm-hmm. He already had bad quarterback play his already. entire yep. career. And he's, he's showed that he's an alpha. He's a target hog. He's a red zone target hog. And in terms of route win rate, one of the most effective receivers in the league And so Michael Pittman is a guy who, again, we're double counting for that potential bad quarterback play or or not as good of an offense as we would expect. So 50% number seven in terms of route win rate in 2022. And the the page is a little bit slower to load. 51% number four in 2021. So one Mm -hmm. of the best route runners in the league. He also ranks highly in Matt Harmon's reception perception. So a different look at the same grades. And he has a 94th percentile speed score at 6'4", 223. A-Rich is going to lock on to this guy. Because when it, when push comes to shove, the, the depth behind Michael Pittman is not superb. Alec Pierce is going to be the guy who's going to take the top off the defense and open that up. And running the, the ins, the outs, the comebacks, all of those routes that are going to create Pittman separation, A-Rich is going to love 
Michael mm-hmm. Pittman because he all he has to do is just put it on the dot. Pittman's going to be there, no tight window, easy money. And a rich, you know, I'm not going to be a guy who gets way too over involved in camp hype, but mm-hmm. I think I think some of these film watchers were are, are a little bit wrong about a rich's arm arm quality. I think he's got what it takes. I also like to think too, just on top of the the routes that he's going to be able to win to help Anthony Richardson, he's also going to be able to help the rookie quarterback when he's scrambling. We've seen Michael Pittman over his three-year career, Randy Moss defenders time and time again, jump over him. And when a guy's scrambling back there, you know, evading tacklers and chucks it deep to Michael Pittman, yeah, and that's a low percentage play, but that's a play that I think Michael Pittman is pretty good, and he's shown the ability to do that. Last year, he ranked 17th in uncontested catch rate. So we're talking about another top 20 metric for Michael Pittman. And so I, I over 50%. I'm in on Michael Pittman. Love that. So we talk about three guys that Maddie Babich is targeting James Cook, Michael Pittman. Obviously, we talked about Brees Hall earlier. Now let's talk about who is the fade, not a couple fades, the fade for you in seasonal drafts. Yeah, I got to put, put his player profile page back up. I talked about him a little bit. It's Nick Chubb. I don't understand where the RB1 upside talk is coming from besides some sort of imaginary role in the past game that he got. Did, did I miss Did I miss the memo of, of Nick Chubb becoming the, the pass catching back in Cleveland? Because as far as I'm concerned, he's been in the league five years and that's never happened before. He's 36 receptions is a career high. He did that his sophomore season and turned that into 278 receiving yards. This is a guy who is fine as a receiver. Not very good. Like he is, he is Damian Harris quality level receiver. And we've seen when coaches in particular, those in Cleveland with Nick Chubb, when they have somebody to give that role to, they give it up. And that's mm-hmm. going to be Jerome Ford and Demetric Felton in this season. Uh, we've we've seen good stuff from Demetric Felton in real NFL non-preseason games before. We saw him tear it up against the Jets. He looked good. He had he has good vision. He's a they're both qual- more quality pass catchers than Nick Chubb. And so we look at the stats. Last season, 16.6 fantasy points per game was his second best season of his career. He had a career high, 302 rush attempts, 1,525 rushing yards, and 13 touchdowns. His 27 receptions and 239 receiving yards were second in his career. And he finished as the RB6 in fantasy points per game. He finished lower than CeeDee Lamb, who, who, cro- who cleared 17 fantasy points per game. So when we look at the receivers who are in that range, and a running back like Saquon Barkley, who actually has the upside to finish mm-hmm. in the top three or the number one. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I have zero shares of Nick Chubb in best ball. Okay, uh, correction. I have one, I've literally one share of Nick <laughs> Chubb in best ball. I have you gotta have some diversity, you know. You gotta have 30 slow player, puppies out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have 30 slow puppies out there, and I got a lot of picks <laughs> in the same range. So I, I had to diversify yeah. a little bit, but yeah, that's that's what it took for me to get Nick Chubb. And I sat there for like three hours. So I just don't want to do it. I want to take CeeDee Lamb again. And no joke, if I would have taken CD, if I would have taken CD Lamb again, it would have hit seventy five percent of my portfolio. Ooh, I, I'm pushing all of my <laughs> chips in on CD Lamb this season because he's being drafted at, in my opinion, his floor. 
Yes. What he did last year is his floor, and he has the ability to to shoot up. And Amon Ra, Amon Ra St. Brown's another guy that can do that. Uh, Nick Chubb can't do that. Saquon Barkley can do that. Uh, for the same reason that Josh Jacobs played in in week yeah. one of preseason, uh, get some juice going. And and Jerome Ford seems to be the guy who has this role currently. So Felton has to kind of prove a little bit to to get those snaps. So I think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see Felton play less snaps going forward. Pretty much every game now, um, it's gonna be the the bottom of the barrel. I think they want to save him, but yeah, just getting him going and and showing him, getting him to show what he has. It's not like Felton's you know proved in a, an immense amount in the NFL. He still has a lot right. to prove. And you know, coming in, uh, I think it was two years ago. They he they had Felton shadow Jarvis Landry and learn everything that he could from Jarvis Landry. That is uh, that could prove to be you know a great set of skills if they were to use him a little bit more in the passing game uh, early when, when, you know, when basically the Cleveland Browns uh, went full on, we're throwing the ball a ton mode when they traded for Elijah Moore drafted Cedric Tillman. They basically they just keep telling us that they're going to throw the ball a ton. I, I made a call. I went on Twitter and I said, sell uh, Nick Chubb and dynasty. I was wrong about that uh, because I don't think you should sell him dynasty because I still think he's a very good player, but what I guess I should have said, and over the course of time, I've come to kind of craft this take. It's with you, Matt. I'm not selling him in dynasty, but I am fading him in redraft. He is being taken right now as running back six. And you just broke down his surface stats from 2022. 1,500 rushing yards, an extra 230 in the air, 13 total touchdowns, and he was running back six on a points-per-game basis. That's his ceiling. I'm not taking Nick Chubb at his ceiling when I can take uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in that range, Jalen Waddell in that range. Uh, There's just too many high-end players, and even, I'll say it, Tony Pollard. I think I would rather wait and see if Tony Pollard falls to me. Not that he's a, a better runner, but he has that skill set in the passing game that could get him to be a top three running back. Debro was on this very show last week, has Tony Pollard as his projected RB1, and it's because of the passing game prowess that he shows. Nick Chubb, they can say they're going to use him in the passing game all they want, but they may just overall mean he'll be on the field when we pass. Doesn't mean he's going to get any protection or, or any production from that role. Whereas there is, and there's also those threats of other players who are better at catching the football than Nick Chubb. So I think in dynasty, I'm keeping uh, potentially buying if there's a, a price dip, but in redraft, I'm completely fading. I'm not looking at Nick Chubb uh, in the range that he's going at his ceiling. In my opinion, you know, it's, you know, it's the beautiful thing about, about redraft this season. If Tony Pollard doesn't fall to you, you know, who you could just wait and come back and get. Who's that? Jonathan freaking Taylor. Right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. JT's at a crazy value right now. Yeah. You could just get Jonathan Taylor, the the former RB one, a guy who actually will be involved in the passing game. <laughs> yeah. This is ridiculous. Let's go. It's it's so true. It's so true. Jonathan Taylor. This will be the the moment in which you you had your redrafts, uh, yep. drafts conducted because there is going to yeah. be a, a value about JT that we're probably not going to have the luxury of a couple weeks from now, whether it be because him and the Colts kiss and make up or he's traded to a, a big big team. Our boy Jonathan Lang in the chat. Shout out to you, yes, JL. Jerome Ford's going to play a bigger role than people realize. I, I love it. I love the take. Uh, let's get you out of here with this, Matt. Give us your bold take. What's your bold take that you're taking into the 2023 season? 
Swins will be a little bit of a surprise because uh, I didn't really find a way to work him much into the conversation this year. But I'm on Ross St. Brown, one of the best route runners in the league, one of the hardest workers in the league. He's potentially the best slot receiver in the league. He's going to earn an insane amount of targets being the only quality target in this offense and being in a role where you can't. It's like Cooper Cup. Are you going to bracket him and let them do whatever else they want and you're, you're going to leave somebody else open and bracket Amon Ross St. Brown, or are you going to take your chances? And we saw when defenses bracketed him when he didn't, bra- when they didn't bracket Cooper cup, he was dominating them because his technique and his connection with his quarterback are just too good. Mm-hmm. And with Ben Johnson calling the plays with Jared Goff running the offense, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to finish closer to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase than he does any other receiver in 2023. So he is in the wide receiver one overall conversation. Yes. He'll be a top three wide receiver in dynasty after this season. Oh, I love that guy. Amon Ra all over the place, including my Scott Fishbowl team. So I love that call. And Matt, thanks for joining the game plan. You absolutely crushed it. And I got to bring you back during the season because we run this segment during the season called Bargain Bin Finds to help our redrafters win weeks with players they weren't expecting. And since you're not averse to get in the dumpster, we have you on. We'll go a little bargain bin shopping during the season. But now go ahead. Let the people know where can they find you on socials? Where can they find you and get all your work? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have to come on and chop up some midseason trades too, because the people, what the people don't know is that Maddie Kimum and I have one thing in common, and that's the fantasy foot the fantasy supermarket. Is it is it yes. coming back? Is it coming it's back in 2023? It's coming back. It's coming back. Yes, you did it what two years ago? I did it last year. Yeah, I, I first of all, I can't even believe the name got approved. I thought it was the <laughs> I was giggling at it, and then when I saw you come back with it last year, I I got so so excited. You've you've really built an empire around around trades, and that's yes. been that's been super well, that's been super awesome to see. And so we we absolutely have to come and chop up some some mid season trades at some point, but. In the yes, meantime, we're gonna also oh, collab on that article. We're gonna have to collab on that article. Ooh. I I love that. I loved when you wrote it two years ago, and then last year was like, hey, what 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 weekly episode or what weekly article can I write? And someone was like, oh well, Matt's not doing the fantasy supermarket. I was like, what? I'll try to run with that baton. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, it was it was funny. Uh, I I needed to lighten my load a little bit with uh, you know the full time job and writing like three articles a week. I was like, ah, it's a <laughs> a lot to handle, so maybe we could dial that back a little bit. Uh, so glad, glad to see that all work out. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Babich underscore Matt ten for the audio listeners. That's B A B I C H underscore M A T T one zero. You can find me on Twitter there, posting about James Cook and and all the like. Uh, I, I retweet almost you know every show that that comes up on my timeline. So if you if you need. If you need somehow, somehow the player profiler channels aren't getting to you, you know, you, you can access a lot of the shows through my Twitter. Uh, and then you can find all my articles on playerprofiler.com. You can catch me on the Dynasty Roundtable on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. That's it. That's that's where that's everywhere I am. And that is a wrap on the game plan. Make sure you're subscribed to the Player Profiler YouTube channel. Get all of our shows, including the Dynasty Roundtable, the game plan, Trade Gods, with my man Jason Allwine, the Decision Point, all the good stuff that we're bringing here. Uh, So like this video, leave a comment about 
the show some things you like maybe some things you don't like go ahead and leave a comment you can follow me on twitter i'm at maddie kiwoom uh you can get all my articles all my work pretty much here at playerprofiler.com join the player profiler discord now and if you just can't get enough of me you can head over to patreon.com slash the executives with me and cody carpentier we join forces on a patreon so you can get us you can get a little bit of more kiwoom and cody over there matt Thank you so much for joining. Everyone out there listening, keep game planning, my friends, and I'll talk to you next week. Peace.